You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Elisa. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited today. I am caffeinated. You are caffeinated. <laughs> Why are you excited to today? I am so excited because we have another boy in the house. <sighs> you a really, really fun boy. <laughs> so many boys. So many boys. Boy, could you introduce yourself? Uh, sure. I'm Brett Terpstra. I am a, I'm a boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Brett. I said, uh, I showed him when we started, we're, people can't see it, but we can see each other. We like to see each other's faces. I have a little Yeti um, in honor of his cat. He has a, a cat named Yeti. And I have a uh, tea mug here that I'm drinking out of. I thought that was nerdy. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're nerds. So, Brett, could you let the listeners know, if they're not familiar with you, just a little bit about you? Um, so, I just started a new job, but my job title is now technical content writer for the developer relations team at Oracle. Um, and more about me, though, is I'm a writer and developer and podcaster and author. And uh, I create I'm a content creator. That's that's what I am. I'm a content and app creator. That's a great way to explain it. That that does it for me. Well, can you name a couple of the podcasts or all of the podcasts if you can remember them all sure. that you do? Um, <laughs> I know I, there are quite quite a few. I have one called Systematic. That's an interview show that I try to find people from like all walks of life, and it's it's not a tech show. Like I try to interview <laughs> people well outside of the normal kind of incestuous world of tech people. Um, and then like I have a challenge. It is. Scheduling is it it gets rough. It's like and, yeah. and most of my guests aren't professional podcasters. Oh boy. So like we have to call in advance and work out microphone situations and everything and really? I the dealing with the audio is anyway. That oh. that one is a challenge. The other podcast I do is called Overtired with Christina Warren. And it is two ADHD people who get together <laughs> every week and just talk and it's a tech show but it's also a taylor swift podcast <laughs> and it kind of runs the gamut I a guess, little bit of billy Eilish in there i heard yeah yeah because i'm not the biggest taylor swift fan um i kind of i allow all the taylor swift conversation to happen so i am guilty by association yeah, yeah. um but yeah I'm, I'm i'm a punk rocker like None of that pop stuff really, really is great for me. But if I had to pick, Billie Eilish would be more my speed than Taylor Swift. I but, just started yeah. listening to her because of you, because I was like, <laughs> what is the deal? You know, I mean, Christine's a bit younger than me, but I, I like to hear her points of view about that kind of stuff. And I, I like to entertain that because I'm a little bit older. You got to try Kay Flay. Kay Flay. Kay dot Flay. Look it up. Okay. She is. She if I, I had to it. pick. A poppy singer, she would be the one. See, and I'm of the classic rock genre. I get it. Bruce Springsteen, Rolling Stones, Paul McCartney, sure. Rod Stewart. That's, you know, David Bowie. That's who I listen to. I was just listening to um, uh, what's it? Forever Young by Rod Alpha Stewartville. Oh. No, it's Alphaville and Rod Stewart had a song by the same name. And so I spent mm -hmm. an evening comparing the two songs and just decided to make one conflated version of it. 
Did you really? Is it like a mashup? No, it's just in my head. I, I just okay. do it. It's it's not. I didn't actually produce that content. I just I I did it in my head. Maybe you I think the original is Van Morrison. <laughs> really? I th- oh, really? Which, yeah. That I did. The original of which? Because they're two very different songs. May the was it? May the good Lord. Be do- yeah, the that's words the Rod are. Stewart yeah, I, one. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's uh, Van Morrison. The Alphaville song is actually the one I like. That one is a very dark song with a dark gothic video, and it I, it appeals to me. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. See, I like Nine Inch Nails, and I, I love I love the Westworld stuff, and yeah. Oh, did you hear uh, Pretty Hate Machine? The the bitch the chip tune version of Pretty Hate Machine. No, but I'll have to look that up. It it's um. I can't remember the name of the artist, but uh, we almost had him on Overtired because that he did like a it's a like you know like with Atari eight bit sounds. Really? Oh, my he, son would love like that. It's like a note for note cover of the entire Pretty Hate Machine album. Oh wow, that sounds great. It is excellent. I think you years ago. This is how long we've we've been friends online and talking. I think you got me into Amy Winehouse. Sure, I had a I had a definite Amy Winehouse era. Yeah, yeah. You know you're guilty of that one then, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Cool. Cool. What else? Uh, is there any other podcasts that you wanted to list out? Uh, no, that's that's all I am Those currently doing. Okay. Uh, I enjoy guesting lot, on other, other people's podcasts because it's a lot less work. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, we like doing that too. Yeah, we've been, you know, it's interesting you brought up, you know, because we're trying to interview more people. We're trying to, you know, kind of make this a little bit more uh, variety. So it's not just always, you know, the two of us. And uh, you highlighted something for me thinking that we're, we're pretty spoiled because most of the people that we have been talking to, you know, have some kind of podcast podcasting background or have some kind of experience with it. So we haven't. And, and own good microphones. Yet, but yeah. yeah, we haven't run into that yet, but that probably might come up. So that's a good idea to try to you know suss that out ahead of time and find out what they have and maybe do a test or something so because elisa loves working with audio (laughs) (laughs) something i will never get down Uh, but we've been doing it we've 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 gotten through it for this so many years so (laughs) cool well what would you like to start out with you have a couple of bullet points here that i wanted all the kind of stuff that i was kind of like my wish list of what i wanted to pick your brain about um do you want to just start off with the pain of setting up a new machine when you're super geeky? Sure. I, you you, you got a correct me if I'm wrong. You got a developer version of the Mac Mini. Is that what I it did? Was? I uh-huh. did. Um, like that one had to go back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. There was like a whole story behind that. So you did have to send that machine back, and then yes. did they just you got another one because then you got like the credit for it, right? Or something like right. that. Right. Apple eventually, record. like initially, you paid five hundred dollars. You got the machine for until you had to give it back, and then you lost your five hundred dollars. And then they said, uh, "We'll we'll give you a two hundred fifty dollar credit when you send back your machine, just to you know make good on this." And then the next day, they sent out an email that said, "Okay, we'll give you." credit when you send the machine back. So after that whole thing, I had $500 and I thought I'll save up a little extra money and just turn it into a new Mac mini. And then somehow I managed to save way more than I needed to and was able to get like a fully maxed out uh, M1 Mac mini, new displays. Like I got the works. Nice, nice. But when I had that developer machine, I didn't 
I didn't try to make it my own. I used it to test apps and to run Xcode, and I didn't really push to see what was going to break. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that I have this M1 and I'm working to get, I'm, I'm working to the point where I can hand down my MacBook Pro to my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, in this house. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so I can just use the mini, but mm-hmm. to do that, I have to get the mini to do everything the MacBook Pro did. And for, I would say normal users switching to the Apple Silicon is easy. Like uh, the apps, your apps all run. Like e- even if the app hasn't been updated, uh, Rosetta and Universal Rosetta. Binaries, like everything will just work, and uh, the transition is simple. But if you're a command line person, there is a whole world of pain trying mm-hmm. to get your developer tools to compile properly to run on the M1, and mm-hmm. everything Can moves. You homebrew stuff. Yeah, well, like, so Homebrew uh, did a great job. one job. thing for Homebrew. I forget what it is. Some kind of pin <laughs> testing thing. <laughs> I have a, my brew file. Uh, like, if I dump out all of my brew packages uh, to be able to install them again, I have 120 brew packages that I need to oh install. Um, and they did a great job overall of updating the formula so that you can just brew install and it, and it installs the correct version. Okay, um, good. There are some missing pieces. And uh, everything installs to a different directory on the M1 than it would on an Intel machine. And a lot of my scripts just assumed that user local bin was going to be where my utilities would always be. So I hard-coded that path. And now Uh-oh. all of that is in opt homebrew. Oh, and so, uh, yeah, so I have to, I'm, I'm slowly, I'm piecing my scripts back together getting everything working. My Jekyll blog uh, with 2,000 some posts since 2010, Uh uh, because it was created in 2010 and I started writing plugins for it, it's kind of frozen at a specific version of Jekyll. And that specific version of Jekyll requires a specific version of Ruby in order to be able to compile. And that version of Ruby cannot be installed on the M1 and so I couldn't, the, it's the reason I was still holding on to my MacBook Pro was I couldn't actually build my blog uh, without the Intel MacBook. So I finally got that sorted last week after two weeks of painfully rewriting uh, <laughs> plugins for my blog. Oh my. Uh, I got that going. I haven't touched my MacBook Pro in... Uh, three days now, except to get uh, to get a configuration file that I forgot to transfer. But it has been an ordeal just to get everything uh, working in a whole new system. So you have this like you know zero incidents little thing <laughs> for your Mac. Like it's been three days. <laughs> yeah. Somebody tells you you need to write like a little like a uh, thing on your blog that counts down the time, the times, the amount of times you've had to touch it. <laughs> I, yeah, I should have a bunch that does that. Um, ah, there you go. <laughs> plus, I got a, a a work machine. Like Oracle sent me a laptop when I started the job, uh-huh. so that's a whole other situation where I like it's always on a VPN, and I have to install apps that they approve, and I have to mm-hmm. find ways to do the things I want to do. And it's a Mac. Yeah. Okay. Good. Seriously, it's a all... Mac. Do you have? To oh use my PCs God! For Can you imagine? No. 
I haven't used a PC since the year 2000. Really? Oh, really. You're not missing uh, anything. Linux? <laughs> Any Linux? Uh, I mean, I use BSD. Like, <laughs> I, I No. I want to get into Raspberry Pi, and I use Unix as the son. subsystem for Mac OS, mm-hmm. but no, I, I've not run anything but Macs mm-hmm. with Mac OS since 2000. That's that's a pretty good run. That's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost. But now fanatical. you have like a so you have a personal your your personal life, and then you have your business life, and you have to separate those out. Except I don't want to separate them so much. Yeah. Like I, I, if I'm going to give up my personal MacBook Pro and hand yeah. it down, I still need a laptop. Yeah, and I want the work machine to be able to do things. Like I just want to be able to write. Uh, blog posts, uh-huh. and that doesn't require a lot of special software. I want to be able to run multi-markdown composer, which I managed to get installed. Uh, and then... It's but everything's got to be through a VPN, and that well, means that you can't put anything really super personal there, like a personal diary or anything like that, right? Yeah, or, you know, dirty pictures or anything like <laughs> right. that. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. It, and it's another topic no, on my research, list, but... air quotes. Key bindings are a big deal for me. Like, I customize... Uh, the the root level key bindings of the operating system so that I can do all kinds of text manipulation with just basic key combinations. For example, if I hit option S, it selects the current paragraph, the entire paragraph, without me having to go to the end of the paragraph, hold down shift, press command, or go up to the beginning of the paragraph. Like so I can all just your hit muscle memory S. is just right. Yeah, yeah. And that requires a certain amount of like system level hacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I will admit I have pulled off on the work machine. It is usable, uh, mm-hmm. but that has been all like, then I had to get, I had to get, uh, it from Oracle to help me out with a zoom problem and to diagnose it. They wanted to log into my machine remotely, which made me very uncomfortable because I didn't know how kosher all of the things I'd done to it would, would be. Right. Isn't that weird? Like I do that. Like that's how I work with clients. I work with my clients remotely. You know, yeah. I have all this time. And then, you know, with the pandemic, I've done it, you know, mostly all remotely. So, but I remote into their machines and I, you know, it's a very intimate process. And, you know, I'm used to that. And I'm very sensitive to it. But the few times that it's had to happen to me, I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like they're watching me shower. Well, <laughs> so Yeah. Like my he he loaded up. Firefox on uh-huh. on the work laptop, which I've yeah. never, I've only gone to work sites on that laptop, but my history is synced between uh-huh. all of my machines using Firefox. Yeah. So when he starts typing in the URL bar, I don't yeah, know what's right, going to exactly. pop up. Yeah, right, exactly. You're like, whoa, I was researching that. <laughs> Asian, yeah. yeah. It's, uh-huh. it, it, got, yeah. It, it got uncomfortable. Do you want to know what the problem ended up being? What? So it was like a, a checkbox. Which which checkbox was it? <laughs> no, I. You ever heard of Choosy? Mm, I don't. It's think so. it's an app that runs in the background, and if you run multiple browsers, I do a lot of web development, so oh, okay. I always have Safari and Firefox and Chrome and Brave and Opera, like they're always installed. So yeah, Choosy, Choosy, when you click a link and you have multiple browsers open, it pops up a little HUD, and you can click mm-hmm. which browser you want the link to open in. Uh-huh. I added a rule to it that if it's a Zoom link, you know how if you click I'm a Zoom with link, you. 
if you click a Zoom link, it opens your browser yep. and then it opens mm-hmm. Zoom. So yep. I created a thing that just skips the browser and directs all Zoom links to Zoom. So I didn't have a bunch of Zoom tabs in my browser. Makes but sense. That defeated yeah. uh, for Oracle Zoom, you have to use a single sign on. So you have to go through uh-huh. their login. So when Zoom would try to send a link to the browser to do the login and get it back, it was just looping right back yeah. into Zoom. So wow. I thought Zoom was broken. Right, right, yeah. I, I figure this out while the guy is remotely us- using my machine. I'm like, hold on, give me control back. I got to check yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. It was very embarrassing. But that's part of the process. You know, it's like you, you kind of have to like, oh, my God, this is broken. The, you know, it's somebody else's fault, right? And then you kind of like troubleshooting like, oh, wait, oh, yep, it's I something totally that I hacked. That. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I, I can so relate to that pain because of running my own business slash running a family slash, you know, trying to manage healthcare. All of this stuff has been highlighted through the pandemic. You know, just, just for example, on, on this machine, I'm going through something similar where, you know, when, when we got started, that's why it took us a couple minutes to get, because I'm like, hold on, I got to, because now I have this microphone plugged in and I have this webcam and, you know, I have like three different webcams to choose from and I have a couple different microphones because I'm a geek and this is what yeah. we do. But between the kids and their Google accounts and their school accounts and then our telehealth and like, you know, this doctor uses WebEx and, you know, then we have Zoom meetings and we're, we use Skype for this and FaceTime for other things. And it's like, hold on, I got to I had to get really good at looking in the interview in the interface. Where is the button to switch the camera? Where is the button to right. switch the microphone? You know, and like make sure that that's all working, because usually if something happens, you know, lately, I assume like oh, it's my fault. Hold on. I've, I've got too many things going on here. I got to well, fix something. And then an app updates like the last uh-huh. it was a, not the last update, but Skype updated uh, not too long we, ago. Yeah, and we like, just the chat button now. moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the, all, the, uh, preferences all change. Like it got, I got lost. I had to ask my interviewee, like, where's the button so I can open we the do that. We just did that. Look at the started. bottom. We were look like at the bottom of yeah, the screen. The bottom. They added, they yeah. added little buttons now. And it's actually kind of a terrible design because it's, I mean, I don't know if it, I think it's because of the colors that I selected. It's, I have the, the dark mode interface, but you can barely see the text. It's really, really light like a light ghosted uh, you, text on it when you like go to you have dark mode things. on on your computer. Well, I don't have it on now, but, see, but I have. I must have it in the preferences. Yeah, you must Skype have something different mode. because mine is completely visible. I have no problem whatsoever reading it. You know, it's it's under yeah, it's under appearance in the system preference uh, in the Skype preferences under appearance. I have high contrast light, so uh, maybe if I go. change it to high contrast dark, or yeah, no, have, mine was yeah. on light. Let me try now. I have it yeah. on light mode. Mine's on light oh, mode. It's still, it just changed the color radio. of the highlight. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It, you know, it's just, I'm sensitive to those things because the clientele that I work with are all, you know, vintage people. And so I'm sensitive to their, their changes in eyesight and hearing and things like that. So I pick up on those things. And I'm like, I always think when I look at that and I think, I can barely see that. How's my client going to see that? So I have Man, to be able to point it out somewhere. I got into, I was working on a... I was working with a startup that that I dropped out of, but I got really into accessibility and the yeah, process. I love it. I love and it. Human studied, interface guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. Really studied like how do you make a web app truly accessible and learned all of the ins and outs to the point where I considered like adding uh accessibility expert to my like freelance resume. Uh but it, I definitely applied it to all future sites I worked on. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, 
it does make a difference. You can make a site like the average website that doesn't pay any attention to it mm-hmm. almost can't be used by someone with even like uh, a 50% color blindness issue. Right. Yeah. Low vision. Yeah. I, I get so upset when I see things that are written in gray text because I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've run into that where I'm, I'm guiding someone through something and they just can't see it and they yeah. can't see it because it's gray. I, I am obsessed with a little bit to the point where throughout the whole pandemic and the registration for vaccines, you know, cause I was trying to help my family members and now, you know, my, my, my kid was eligible. And I, when I go to the Arizona site, like when I go to the state site, I have been, you'll probably laugh at this. I've been taking screenshots and documenting the changes as they go. Like the very first time when they launched it, you go to fill out the form. And first of all, you know, there's great text. And I'm like, right away, you know, that's a, that's a flag because you're not going to be able to see that if you're an elderly person trying to register. Because that was a big, huge, that it's been a big, huge problem for older people to try to navigate this mess. You know, they just can't do it. They need the help from from people who can see the websites. And uh, but the biggest the biggest problem was trying to get my mother in law set up for it, and I was just trying to enter her birthday. I was just trying to enter the birthday, and they wouldn't tell you in what order you were supposed to enter the birth date. <laughs> and it would just <laughs> give you errors every time. Yeah, it would just yeah. keep erroring, you know, and it wouldn't even tell you what the error was. But I knew that's what it was because that's the field that I that I had landed on. But I'm like, really? You can't even just tell me which format you wanted it, and I had to try it four or five different ways. The it was government, terrible. The government website yeah. UX that most killed yeah. me last year was signing up for uh, the healthcare marketplace. Uh-huh. They, uh-huh. Minnesota had a page or an entire form. So there's like 20 questions on the page. And they're all yes or no questions. And yes. everyone is a drop down. And you can't type, mm-hmm. you can't use keyboard navigation. You have to click mm-hmm. the drop down, open it, and then choose yes or no. That should just be a radio button yes, cluster. Mm-hmm. Yep. Radio button. There's and the way absolutely that it's no worded, reason for that. And the way that they have it phrased, I, I didn't even access, I wasn't even on mar- Marketplace for like two years because of the way they had the question phrased. I misunderstood it. So I missed out on that for a couple of years. I was on my husband's plan paying way more than we could afford, you know, so I just never got got any health care because of it. You know, I mean, just because that's how it impacts people's lives mm-hmm. that much just because of the way something's phrased and you get kind of pigeonholed into having to answer it a certain way. I think the question was like, you know, does your spouse's employer offer insurance. I was like, well, yeah, they offer it. They don't offer to pay for it. That's what it needed to say. And I just kept misunderstanding that thinking, well, I have to say yes. I can't say no because they do offer it. I can't lie. I don't want to get in trouble. And then I finally found the right person to to ask about it. And it was an insurance person. They said, no, that's what that means. They do they offer to pay for I'm Like, well, then why don't they just say that? But no. Yeah. I found that whole process very painful. Why do you – so that's my question to you. I don't know if you know this or not, but why do you think government websites suck so bad? Why I, aren't they hiring talented people like you or – it's, you know, it's, it's baffling. Like government – like contracting uh, – government – there are licensed contractors that have okay. kind of running contracts with the government, and those people get first bid. Where However, are these people coming from? I mean, our site, it almost looked like – Maybe yeah, maybe it, English might have not been the first language, right. the way if it was you, worded, or they just if, don't have grammar skills. If you look at what Minnesota paid, like it was uh, something like one hundred fifty thousand dollars for the first draft of 
the site they paid to a small group that obviously had no idea about accessibility or even usability and and you could have if you had paid me that money you would have gotten a exactly. complete fully working better website and i, I you know no I offense don't but know i think how they got a teenager would have done a better job yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know i mean give it to the kids if you don't want to pay people let kids do it for like a high school project well, and or it's, something i that's think you the get thing a better is it's product. not like it's not like a limited budget they spent yeah. a reasonable amount of money to do it they just they just spent it wrong yeah yeah it's frustrating it's very frustrating when is that ever going to change <laughs> Who, who do we write to about that? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Elisa, you're good at that. Oh, no, no. We deal with New York <laughs> State. My husband does. My yeah. husband owns a business and he has to file his taxes quarterly. Yeah. Do you my think hus- it's a state by state thing? My, he doesn't, or do you think he doesn't, it's a, an overarching government entity yeah. that no, it's controls a, it? I think it's state by state. And, you know, mm. he, he goes to file his taxes and every time he does, we're sorry, we're under maintenance. Or it won't accept the document that he has to add because he has mm-hmm. tax-exempt customers. So he has to add a document showing the tax-exempt mm-hmm. customers. And they won't accept it. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go in and try to manipulate it to get it in. Or, you know, or sometimes it's his fault because he'll, put, he'll save it in the wrong format. And then I'll have to go through and resave it. And he just kind of, you know, what he does is he likes to take his finger and like run it down his face as he's drooling because he has no idea. No idea because he watches me go, okay, it's yeah. done. He goes, what did he goes, what did you just do? Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. But you anybody know, who's listened to this podcast has heard Elise and I talk about our husbands. We love them so much, yeah. but they're not geeks like us. And yeah, but all to. the time he'll go to file his taxes and every single time it's down for maintenance or it won't take some of the documents or it will just say, we're sorry. Come back at another time. He's holding it wrong. You know, yeah, yeah. And and he's not one that swears a lot, but I always know he's filing his taxes. Because you know? <laughs> there's so a speaking, lot of swearing. Speaking of ADHD, which we were talking about before the show, this, this mm-hmm. conversation went in three steps from talking about a new Mac Mini to New York State tax returns. <laughs> Zero to 60. <laughs> Of course. That's my kind of conversation. I love it. We, yeah. we See, we thought you would be a good fit for us. <laughs> yes. So that that reminded me. So, Fred, are there any, are there any I'll call it a holdover. Like, I go through this thing where when I'm helping people, whether it's, you know, my kids or clients or something, I get, I get this, like, twitch when they put slashes, like, backslashes in the file name. And I'm like, no, oh, don't yeah. do that. I, I constantly feel like I have to, because of... I've worked as you know print service bureaus, and I've I've worked in a, a number of different places where I was the file queen, you know, and it was my job to manage the database and all the file structures and stuff, and communicating with clients all over the world. And it's like, well, why why did this break? Why did this not work? Well, because there was a backslash in the file name, you know, or because it had too many characters, and we were trying to communicate with somebody that was still using DOS, you know, back in the day, or something like that. It are, do you do you run into that a lot? Do you do you I, do as, things, not necessarily because you have to still do them that way, but you do them because it's a holdover from kind days of, past? Well, so, like, things never like, get in your way. <laughs> first, let's get semantic. Do you mean slashes yeah. or backslashes? Either or, because I've seen both. <laughs> right. So, I've seen both. like, teachers, in, they in love Unix. to name their files with the, with the whole grammatically correct, you know, date <laughs> structure. Instead yeah. of just using, you know, a... Two two zero two one zero five one six. You know yeah. that's how well, I do it. No, it's interesting yeah. because 
as oh, as someone who spends a lot of time in Unix, I, I tend to avoid uh, slashes, uh, mm-hmm. pound signs, question mm-hmm. marks, exclamation points, things that are reserved by the right. system. Like if you put a pound sign in a file name without escaping it, it considers everything after it to be a comment and the shell. Ah. So that that causes problems. So I am careful about that. But yeah. like for the first couple years after I started using a Mac, and this would be like early 2000s, um, I stuck to eight character file names because, or, or I would at least keep them short just because I grew up on DOS mm-hmm. and that was like second nature to me. And it wasn't until uh, maybe 2009, 2010 that I realized I can write out whole sentences. Mm-hmm. So while I do avoid punctuation, I have gotten a lot more verbose because then I also became a huge fan of Spotlight and being uh, able to keyboard. find my mm-hmm. files very yep. easily. Mm-hmm. And before Mac OS added actual tagging, you had Spotlight comments and you had file names. Mm-hmm. And Spotlight comments were flaky. You could mm-hmm. lose your Spotlight comments accidentally anytime. Yep. So you put keywords in the file names and that made them really easy to find. So I did develop that. But yeah, even commas, I, t- I do mm-hmm. tend to avoid punctuation, just mm-hmm. hyphens or underscores. And dates, like I, I have, I name all of my files with the date in front because because I, I got the- screwed over that because the date we had there was a bug some some one year that was like it changed all the dates to like 1906 or something like that you know and I had burned I was archiving you know baby videos and stuff or something like that and I burned a whole bunch of CDs and then when I went to reimport them a while ago you know a while after that. All the dates were wrong. So that I would, had that would all be my dates were screwed up. So now I put a date I do, on everything. I skip metadata that is, you know, basic to the file. Created date, mm-hmm. modified date, last access mm-hmm. date, uh, mm-hmm. creating application, things like that. I don't add to like tagging mm-hmm. or file names. But I, I, I guess I never thought twice about what happens if all of the dates get modified, mm-hmm. which I suppose if you're archiving, uh, if you're transferring media a lot uh, and going between file systems, there's always mm-hmm. a good chance that mm-hmm. metadata will get screwed up. Yeah, so I just put it in there and then that way it'll always line up hierarchically, you know, by name if I sort it that way, no matter what happens to the Do you file have a system. text expander date snippet? I don't. I just, I just... Oh, like an animal? You just yes, type it out? <laughs> so, I Melissa, do. you put the date and then... I don't even think about it, but so I just do it. you put the date, to, you know, so 2021-05-16, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, Keegan Space. at the park. Well, so in, in my file structure, it's everybody has their, their initials. So it's K, D, L, D, M, D, N, D, you know, for GCC. I mean, everybody's color coded. It's, yeah, it's the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> my calendar has like colored bubbles on it. Every, every family member has their own color and, you know, you just use their initials so I can keep track of stuff. I, I try to use folders. I try not to be redundant though either because, you know, like I'll, I won't, in other words, like I won't call it, you know, Keegan's folder. Like it's already a folder. You don't have to call it a folder. It is a folder, <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. I, I oh, Having to work with, with the kids, you know, doing remote schooling for the past, you know, over a year. And now we're going to do it again for another probably half a year. Um, the, the learning management system, <laughs> it's just been a nightmare. I've been trying to help this one teacher who's just not very tech savvy and trying to like, try to get her like, you know, you've got a folder inside of a folder, but it really needs to be, uh, yeah, it's been, do you want to hear about my super geeky way of handling that? I would love to hear this. This is a geeky show, right? Mm-hmm. It's totally geekiest a show geeky ever. show ever. So I, 
I save all my files to the desktop while I'm working during the day. If I, if I need to save a file, it goes to the desktop. Okay. And then I have a script running in Hazel called Tag Filer. So at the end of the day, I go through the files that have accumulated on my desktop and I add tags for uh, their overall context, the type of project or the name of the project, and then like any subcategories that need to be tagged. And then TagFiler picks them up, looks at the tags, and sorts them into a shallow folder system automatically. So I can search for, like, if I had if I had a family and everyone had their own, like, kind of initial tag, mm-hmm. I could just search for that tag initials, mm-hmm. and it would find me all of the folders that their stuff had been filed into, and then I could drill down from there. So I really mm-hmm. don't use the folders. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they're... The folders, like I come from an era where tags often got lost and they don't anymore. Like tags are super safe these days. But the shallow folder system gave me like a backup. If all of these tags got lost, I would still be able to, like an animal, drill down through Mm -hmm. a folder system and find the files where they're supposed to be. Yeah, see, I only use folders because I came from a a filing system where tags got lost too. So I start out with folders. So I just live in folders. Tags okay, are safe yeah. now. Tags okay. are even cross-platform. You're going to have to convince Tags even work on iOS now. Really? Now, yeah. hashtags, I, I remember, I mean, you know, we've probably been on, on Twitter for the longest time. Do you remember back in the day when you used to have to register a hashtag? I don't you remember just, ever registering one. I So my claim to fame is I, I'm the person who registered the suck it ha- hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> the, the suck it hashtag did not exist until I registered it. <laughs> What do you mean register? I never heard of that. You, back in, when Twitter was new, you, you in order to be able to say, you know, like cancer sucks or, you know, suck at cancer, something like that. That's that's really where it came from. A, a friend of mine online was dealing with lupus and I wanted to be able to say suck at lupus. So I had you had to there was like a form you had to fill out. There was literally a form you had to fill out if you wanted to use a hashtag, you had to register it on this form. You didn't like own it or anything, but you just had to put it out there and then you could put the hashtag in front and and hashtag your tweets. That's just how you used to have to do it. And Is so, this Twitter before it had an I? Is uh, this back when it was TWTTR? No, I don't. I mean, I, it was 2007, so somewhere around Yeah, that's about when I joined. Yeah, I think I joined in 2007. Yeah. And, I, and so like, we were talking about initials and stuff like that. So that's what I was doing. When I was on Twitter, for me, it was like just a little, I mean, nobody was reading it at, at the time. I didn't really care. I was, I wasn't exactly like tweeting about what I was eating, but I was tweeting about my kids and it was my baby blog, basically. It was, it was like my baby log. And so I hashtag my kids. So, you know, I've hashtag KD for Keegan and hashtag LD for, for Lucian. And, and now because I, I do bring all that stuff into day one, I have an ift and I have a, you know, some kind of a hook or something. So now when I look up stuff about them in the past, I just type in that hashtag and I only reserve that hashtag for when I'm tweeting about the kids and so that's what ends up in my in my journal so i have used tags like kind of in in that regard but as far as the macintosh tags are concerned i just i just i don't know i can't bring myself to to use them so i've always used folders i mean i I have i have very i'm a very very, i'm very old school when it comes to that i just because i worked in print service bureaus and you know you were you were originally you were talking about how you know the pain of switching and setting up a new machine and all that muscle memory that you have to kind of redevelop and, you know, like, oh, I'm used to doing it this way because this is what my brain has, you know, mapped around my muscles to, to do that. 
that was something that I struggled with a lot in the beginning because I was a typesetter and I worked in a department store advertising department and uh, I had all my quick keys programmed. There was actually a, a program back then called quick keys. It didn't come with the, it didn't come with the application at the time. And I was using Quark Express. And so I would program my entire machine. You know, there wasn't one for baseline shift. I programmed one, you know, I, I just, I made it work. And when I sat down on my computer, I could fly, you know what I mean? I could just like do stuff without even thinking about it and get stuff done, boom, 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 like so fast. They called me Fast Fingers. That, that was my, my nickname. <laughs> I was the queen of quark. They called me Fast Fingers. If you wanted something done, give it to Melissa, you know, because I went from being like the slowest person and I took that too personally and I just like got really obsessed with it and I, I ended up being the fastest person. But then what would happen is then this is how I ended up getting kind of like into tech support out of like design and into tech support is they would ask me for help. But then the problem was this bottleneck where I'd sit down at their machine and I didn't have my quick keys because they didn't know anything about yeah. that. And I had to remember where to find it in the menus. And then it just slowed me down and then I get embarrassed. So then I kind of gravitated away from that and I just learned how to work the system in the most purest way possible and just try to keep it pure and, and not try to add all this other stuff. I slowly, you know, let go of that, that a little bit. I, I can sort of, I can sort of get better at like, okay, this is not my personal machine. This is not a client machine. They don't have all this stuff. You know, I just, I had to kind of force myself to stop customizing so much to the point where I then, it handicapped me from being able to help somebody else. Sure. Fix well, it. I read about, I, mean? I read about like all these key out, keyboard layouts uh, that are better than uh, QWERTY. QWERTY. Uh, mm -hmm. Dvorak. And there's one called the something and it puts uh your home row starts with t-h-e and like it's all the most common, most common letters mm -hmm. are closer to your uh your fingers on the home row which would and make sense they make sense to me and i imagine the pain of learning a new keyboard layout mm -hmm. uh you know something i've had muscle memory for since i was in grade school mm -hmm. and then i imagine actually getting good at it and then trying to use someone else's computer. Yeah. And well, it's like, like when I used to work at AOL and uh, we, we, we got, uh, there was a, a turnover in, in the upper management and there was a trip to New York involved and I had to sit down and use Vim in front of the new tech management team. And I'm uh -oh. really good with Vim on my keyboard with my vim settings mm. and i'm on someone else's keyboard and uh, they they don't like for me caps lock is escape and mm. if you're using vim you escape is kind of a, a very important key so i kept hitting the caps lock thinking it was escape and then so starting funny. to type and doing it at my usual speed and completely biffing and it was mm -hmm. embarrassing and Mm -hmm. I think it meant I think it mattered more to me than it did to them. I think sure. they kind of yeah. understood, but I I got really flustered. It was yeah. just give me my machine with my exactly. text expander snippets and my shortcuts and my right. key mappings and I'm fine. That's see that's why I don't use text expander <laughs> because I don't want to rely on it to the point where then when I go to do a demonstration or I go to use somebody else's that my brain isn't having to compensate for that i so just can't Im i cannot imagine I'm, not using text expander what about I'm, just using the keyboard uh the the uh what do they call them the substitutions that you can do right within mac yes oh, yeah. except yeah, for those. my text expander snippets almost ex almost all use shell scripts mm -hmm. to give me more flexibility and power and every all of my expansions 
And uh, if I were, if I just wanted OMW to expand to on my way, sure, I would use right. the substitutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, mine get crazy. Yeah, and yeah. I could not do them text without expanders text expander. For. Yeah, it's it's right. But I'm that, so saying for you, Melissa, extra. just using that, like I, you know, you know how often you have to type I in do. your email yeah, I address, have, I have so I have a, a shortcut for my email. Oh, I totally do. Yeah, I, I have. I mean, because I have so many email addresses. Which my husband refuses to do. Yeah. I have one for him because yeah. I have to type in his email a lot, too. And I keep saying, <laughs> yeah, well, if you have... just use this shortcut, you don't have to keep typing in. I don't like it. But you never did it. I do have a bunch of those. In fact, there are times when I'm texting someone and because I have a couple of those, like for my invoicing, I have, you know, like I have different fees for different things or something. So I have a little shortcut for that. And, I'll, and sometimes I accidentally trigger it and then I end up having to like, you know, delete that out. And so, yeah, so I, I, I do use a few of them. It's just that over the years in my line of work and what I've had to do, I ended up spending more time working on other people's machines and having to to work in their environment and not mess it up. You know, in, in the in the early days when I started doing that, I would get in trouble and get kind of like yelled at, like family members and stuff, because I would move stuff around. And it's like, I always equivalent it to, if, if you were working with someone who was blind, you wouldn't go into their apartment and move things around for them just because it suited you. No, they need to have the end table where the end table is because that's what they're used to. And that's like how it is on someone's personal computer. You can't move the folder from here to here just because it's easier for you. You have to leave it where it is. And there's a couple of times where, you know, a a client might have their machine set up in such a way that it's just so woefully, so woefully inefficient and very hard and clunky to work with. And I might change something, but I'll even like write down what I changed and then I have to change it back. You know what I mean? Like maybe just it's making the cursor so I could see it or, you know, something like that. But you have to change it back to what's what works for them, even though you might not agree with it. <laughs> you can't change it that quickly or it just it just throws people off and they get really angry. So that's, that's the kind of adversity that I've had to kind of just deal with. I don't get paid to put up with that. So if <laughs> I have to use someone else's machine, I will explain to them, this is yeah. the better way to do it. We're yeah. going to change your machine right? and yeah. you're going to get used to it because it's just smarter. <laughs> you can probably get away with that with younger people who will remember <laughs> that you had that conversation <laughs> right 10 minutes from now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I totally hear you. Hey, can you tell yeah. us a little bit? You mentioned Bunch in, in yeah. there. What, what is Bunch? What, tell us a little bit about yeah. that. That's, that's talk me through it. I'm, I'm opening the app right now, so talk me through it. Are you familiar with the idea of batch files in, in DOS? No. Like, back in, back in the DOS stage, you could write a, 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 a list of commands, and they would be executed in sequence when you ran the batch file. Yeah, I understand the theory. I understand the theory behind it. See, my problem is I'm right brain. I am not left brain. Okay. Um, I'm not sure whether Bunch would be either left or right brained, but what it does is give you a plain text uh, syntax to do everything from launching apps to hiding your dock to changing your sound input device to opening websites. Uh, and you can just put single lines of text for every action you want to do into a text file. That text file, once it's done, shows up in a menu at the top of your screen. You just drop down the menu, pick the one you want to run, and it executes all of those actions. Like that's that's the general idea. And it so it lets you. It reminds me of Automator. It is, it is a text based automation utility. Uh, okay. If if you've ever put together a shortcut. 
uh, like in shortcuts or, or an automator sequence, like a workflow, if you've ever done that and thought it would be easier to just type this out than to go through all of these dragging and dropping and adjusting these dialogues and putting everything in order. Uh, I, I, so it started like, I just wanted to be able to launch a series of apps as a group and then be able to quit them all at once. So I was writing Apple scripts, uh, you know, writing, writing scripts to do that. And I needed to abstract it enough that I thought there's gotta be a way I could set this up so I could just write these in text files and, and have them executed. So that's where bunch began. Uh, and then it, it, I just started adding all kinds of automation to it. It can type sequences and hit shortcut keys and it can yeah, sleep your computer if you want it to. Huh? Yeah. It got, it got intense. It got huge. I'm looking at the, you have a video on your website now. It's bunchapp.co for those listening that want to check it out. Yeah, this looks great. Could you use something like this to say, I know that there's apps that already do this, but could you say do this to arrange your windows in a certain way so that, you know, I'm sitting down to podcast, I want Skype here and I want this window here and I want that window there. So Have you ever done it with windows? Well, see, the problem with automating window positioning is if you tell it you want to put uh, your Safari window in this position and you have multiple Safari windows open, how does it know which window to move? And it gets mm-hmm. like any app that has more than one window uh, gets very hard to position. So mm-hmm. rather than try to work all that into a plain text syntax, um, I made it so that it's really easy to integrate with applications like Moom, where yeah, okay. like Moom, you can arrange all your windows, take a snapshot, and then with one line of Apple script, you can run that snapshot and arrange all those windows the way you wanted them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I combine it with Moom. Uh, any windows that Bunch opens on its own, like it can display uh, images, text files, websites in its own type of window. Those windows can all be uh, to the pixel. You can position them anywhere you want to and size them. But other applications, I, I defer that window management to mm-hmm. uh, some great apps like Moom and... Uh, when, uh, snap something snap better snap better mm-hmm. from what, the from no. the guy who made better touch tool it was his window management one it was it was good is there anyone I, that you like just, do you like moom the best oh uh, moom is my favorite i okay. i, I swear I by moom yeah because i'm i'm trying to figure out which one i which i want to do so it looks like correct me if i'm wrong brett but did you update your website for bunch recently because so this, this <laughs> looks this looks new to me yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, probably six months ago, I started. I had I had some big changes I wanted to make to Bunch, but I didn't want to push them out too quickly onto people that were just getting used to it. So I started a beta, mm-hmm. and uh, the, it was just supposed to be for that one round of changes. But then it kept ballooning, and I kept wanting <laughs> my new features to be tested again before I forced them on everyone. So that's the, smart. The standard version is at version 1.3, and the 1.4 beta is now on its 100th revision. Oh my gosh, and that's dedication. It is about to be moved back into the stable channel, and just yesterday, I redirected, because uh, Jay Miller was on Automators with David Sparks and Rosemary Orchard, and he was talking about Bunch, so all of this traffic started going to Uh-oh. the stable version. 
And the stable version at this point is old news. And I kept telling people, you got to try the beta. It's it's stable. It's about to be finished. So yesterday, I just redirected. If you go to project slash bunch on my (laughs) my website, it now redirects you to bunchapp.co and implores you to download the beta. All of the documentation there is for the beta. Okay, because um, I'm on version 1.2.8, so I need yeah, to update. Yeah, you're outdated. Yeah, I need well, to update. Yeah, you'll you'll want to download the beta directly from the bunchapp.co website, and then yeah. you'll get updates to that. And when it goes stable, it'll just turn into the regular version. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now, because I don't remember seeing all these examples, like prepared to record a screencast, get ready to podcast. Oh, so. I have... I've written so much documentation. I want to look that over because that's the one that I thought would be good. Get ready to podcast because I open the show notes. I open Skype. Mm -hmm. I open Mm -hmm. um, Audio Hijack Pro. Workflow. So that would be great to just go boom, done. Yeah, I I have it like because Audio Hijack doesn't have any automation for opening a specific, uh, what do they call them? Shortcuts or workflows or no uh, sessions, they, like oh. the the different kind of setups you have. Mm-hmm. So I actually had to in my podcasting bunch. It opens Audio Hijack, presses Command One to open the sessions window, and then hits the right arrow key thirteen times to get to wow. my podcast. Hits Command O. And then hits Command-1 to switch back to that window, Command-W to close it, and then my my podcasting session is open and ready to record. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad we asked about that. That is amazing. Isn't it, isn't it amazing when you, you craft something, right? And, you know, you just explained, you know, gave us a little bit of inside baseball about what, it take, what takes place and, you know, kind of the hurdles that you have to go over when you're pushing out updates and things like that. I have, in other words, like a rollout or deployment. And I've experienced things like that in my life and jobs that I've done where, you know, you realize that you you could be introducing a pain point to people and you have to kind of brace yourself for a little bit of that kickback. It does help me be a little bit more compassionate and empathetic towards bigger corporations. Like when, you know, say whenever Apple reintroduces or introduces something new, you know, and, and then you sit there and you, you watch all the people, you know, criticize it and stuff like that. And then you think and to yourself, government website. Sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I try to be compassionate about that. I try to think about what is the process that had to occur for all of these things to, to be put into place, you know, because I know what that's to like having to deploy something. There's like a real person when you are, you know, hating this new feature from Apple in the keynote, there is a real person who was responsible for that particular feature. uh, And, you know, maybe a small team at Apple that that spent a year trying to solve this problem. And this was Mm -hmm. the solution they came up with. And maybe it's not perfect, but it does help. A lot of people, uh, like I develop uh, a commercial app called Mark II, and hmm. it's I get a lot of customer support requests that are um, angry when they start out, and uh, a polite response that makes it clear that I'm I'm a solo developer. I built this on my own. Changes mm-hmm. because when people mm-hmm. think that it's a corporation that created this, when they think it's a large company. They feel like mm-hmm. they have to be loud and angry in order to be heard. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of the Mac ecosystem is so much independent software comes from teams of one to three people. And they, they're handcrafted products that people care about. 
And like, that's hard for a lot of people. People go into it with the assumption that it's a faceless corporation behind all these decisions. Not that it was one guy who, who, who labored over this and decided this is what I'm going to present to people. Uh, and that changes people's perspective and people get much nicer very quickly. Well, that's why I always that's, hate that's when I point. see the negative reviews for a podcast or an app or something like that, where they just say, this mm-hmm. sucks. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you don't like it. Be more specific. It's too, right. you know, like the podcaster's too loud or too soft or doesn't speak clearly, or the app says it's going to do X and it doesn't do that. That's constructive. That, that the, right. the developer, the podcaster can learn from that. But just saying it sucks. Well, mm-hmm. That's not helpful. Well, and, and yeah, like you said, software, it's not, it's mean. With software reviews, it drives me nuts that people use reviews as support requests. Uh, oh, like yeah. if, if the app says, uh, you know, contact us for support or they have a feedback email mm-hmm. and you instead choose to leave a one star review that complains Publicly. about one, one bug, you found one bug and it, and it led to a one star review when your answer could have been, you could have gotten resolution by sending one email. Mm. Like, sure, if it's a if it's a crappy app or if the if the developer doesn't respond to you, yeah, absolutely, one star review, do it. But go through support first. Like, give mm. someone a chance to explain slash fix something first. Yeah, or when I it's love beta, like, don't leave reviews for beta. That's one of the first things I'll do is I'll look in the app and I'll, I'll do the first thing that I ever do when I install something new is I, I poke around in the preferences. I go right in. That's the first thing I look at is the preferences and I start kind of poking around exploring. And then I, I look for the place. Okay. If I need a question answered, where do I go to get that? You know, it's usually like you scroll to the bottom if it's on an iOS app and, you know, it, and what's really handy about going through that route is that most times the developer were well the developer designs it in such a way that when you email support it shows you you know it it captures like the version of iOS that you have the version of the app that you're using so you don't have to like go through all that yeah. stuff you know and if they don't you know even if i'm like tweeting something i usually try i try not to be too like bitchy you know on on twitter like i try to tweet things like i'll tweet at one password all the time you know they're always so helpful they always take good care of me i i'm usually not really mad at them like personally i don't i don't take it out personally but sometimes the question that i have i know that other people are probably dealing with that so like i'll put it out publicly in a way to say here's an issue i bet other people are having the same thing how have you fixed it you know that kind of a thing but not to like you know call them out on it necessarily you know, but I, I will go to the ex- I will do the extra work to go and make sure that I put what version it is, what build number it is, what version I'm using so that, you know, because I take those kinds of calls, you know, yeah. I always get yeah. the subject line that says help. <laughs> I, uh, I <laughs> no added specificity a, at all. I added a button to mark. If you go to help, there's a, a report an issue button mm-hmm. uh, menu item. And when you click it, it will pop up a window that does exactly what you're saying with the version number, build number, operating system. And then it will uh, record all of the preferences that would matter. Uh, Marked has a ton of preferences, but all the most important ones it, it records in a basic list format that when I get that email, I can run a script on that and it will set up my preferences to match those of the customer so wow. that then I can recreate their problem more easily. 
Yeah, and that's what it's all about. You have to try to recreate the problem so that you can see what's happening so that you can fix it. That's half the battle. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, if you you get an app with 100 different preferences and customer mm-hmm. support becomes, well, do you have this set? Is this checked? Mm-hmm. Check out. Yeah, you you got to you got to create some shortcuts there one way or another. You must be really good at uh handling criticism and letting it roll off. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a learned skill. I have yeah, very I'm thin skin. It. Like many ADHD people, I have mm. I am I have thin skin. I, I wondered I, about that. I live on praise like I Me too. I'm not great with, uh, I, I went to art school Me too. and like we would have five hour long critiques where people would just tear apart your work mm-hmm. and it, I would cry. It was mm-hmm. rough. But That's you, why I transitioned into tech support. I liked, you know, that there wasn't this whole gray <laughs> area of subjectivity that just hurts so badly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't feel the direct, uh, emotional attachment to your work that other yeah, people then hated. Yeah. Like when you do design, you, you, you design this logo and you pull your, your heart and soul into it and then it gets rejected and it's just, oh, it hurts so bad. Just, yeah. oh, you're having a font problem? Here, let me help you with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, like if customer support is way easier for me because, uh, first of all, like I don't do direct phone support, which would be harder for me. Oh, yeah, but if yeah, I yeah. get an angry email from a customer, I can just, Put it aside. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying I can let go. Like I will stew about it. Me too. I will be offended and upset for probably a couple hours uh-huh. until I calm down, and then I can go back and reply. And yeah. I have text expander snippets that are very polite introductions. Very, uh, uh-huh. I I often rewrite emails to be less defensive and just accept that they're having a problem and uh-huh. like if you if I were a therapist I would see it as helping someone who is hurting and mm-hmm. while most tech support isn't necessarily people that are emotionally damaged by your product <laughs> if you if you approach it with a certain amount of sensitivity most people will turn their attitudes around very quickly and then we can have a more upbeat uh, conversation about how how can we fix this instead mm-hmm. of I have somehow wronged you personally. That's uh, what my son is struggling with. You know, I said you know my my kids have ADHD and that you know he's fourteen. That's his biggest hurdle right now is we kind of have to be tone police. You know, we're trying to we don't want to do it for him obviously, but there are times where he sent an email to a teacher that was just the tone was just terrible yeah. because you know. In his ADHD, he has a hard time trying to understand these, what the teacher thought was very simple written instructions, you know, but he interprets it so differently. And then he does the assignment and then it's not what they expected. And then he gets incredibly, incredibly defensive about Mm -hmm. it and then wants to point out all of their problems. (laughs) Well, you should have written it this way and you spelled this wrong and this wasn't grammatically correct, you know, because I do that too. I get get hung up on it. Like, okay, uh, let's raise the bar a little bit here. Your teacher expecting me to do this and yet you can't even have stuff spelled correctly and it's distracting me it's just such a distraction so i then i get stuck i get caught in the crossfire and i'm like well because you know he's my kid and i don't want to be just like my kid is perfect he's not but you know come on you got to work with us here so that's that's been a huge challenge and i think that's just something that you know is going to have have to happen over time and maturity and things like that but yeah definitely I keep telling them, take a step away from it. Don't just answer it. Don't email right away. Just take a little bit of time off. Cool down because your tone is going to matter. You know? I think it might be why I don't – I don't do a lot of social activities. Like I function better in the world with a layer of glass 
between me and the world because oh, yeah. I, I used to right get in a, I used to get in a lot of fights. I used to like get in mm-hmm. a lot of yelling matches, like actual fist fights. Like mm-hmm. uh, I have very strong emotional reactions if I feel like someone is uh, criticizing me or even someone I care about. Like mm-hmm. I have visceral emotional reactions that I need to be able to step away from, and if I have the leisure of responding to an email or a tweet on my mm-hmm. time. I can then exercise the skills that I have learned and not be offensive or defensive about little things. But and I I, I have gotten better as an adult. I, I can't remember the last time I punched anybody. <laughs> That's um, good. Good to it's, know. It, it's been decades. You don't need an incident report for that anymore. <laughs> no, no. But it, 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 does, it gets better, but I definitely still, I still deal with needing uh, a, a little distance. Can you talk about that if you're comfortable talking about that, you know, rejoining the corporate world? How how is that going to impact, you know, working at a company again? Cuz you've been, you know, more self-employed. I mean, it's yeah. been a while since you've like gone and had a punch a clock for somebody else. How how, yeah. are you, how are you handling that? How's that um, going? <laughs> well, I'll admit it's a it's a little scary. Like part of what I loved about uh, being completely independent. Like I didn't even take much freelance work. I I wrote uh, and I authored applications and I, I made podcasts for me and then sold them to other people. And like, I was entirely the boss. I, you know, like I was beholden to my customers, but uh, I didn't have deadlines. I didn't have anyone saying you should have done it this way or that way. And like, that was, it was ideal for me. I always saw that as kind of the perfect the perfect place. And it's not just ADHD for me. It's also, I have bipolar disorder. Uh, so I go through, uh, periods where I just can't function. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, like I'll, I'll be manic and -hmm. I'll get a ton of stuff done. I'll create a bunch of stuff and put it out, but then I'll have a week of, uh, not being able to get off the couch. You have to recuperate. Yeah. Well, you know, like the depression side of, of bipolar. And, uh, so I, I had for years just assumed I'll never rejoin the workplace. I just am I not. struggle with that personally. That's why, I mean, I don't have a diagnosis of bipolar, but, you know, I run out of spoons. I, I'm a spoon. Yeah. So I can really relate to that. And that's why I wondered, you know, how how do you handle that? How do you reenter the workforce? Well, so the, I've, I've been through two weeks now, and uh, it's been a, a, an immersion experience. I am suddenly steeped in having to go to other people's meetings and deal with other people's demands. And uh, like, I knew what I was getting into. I decided I wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. Um, I, I think I'm enough of a grown up to, mm-hmm. to cope. It's time. Uh, yeah. T- yeah. Like it's going to take some getting used to for sure. It's mm-hmm. not that I've never been in the corporate world. I know I can pull it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a matter of whether I can be happy doing it. And finding and a good far, fit. Yeah, like I'm on a small team. I'm doing exactly like when when I went through the job interview, um, it was three three different interviews and everything they told me they needed me to be working on was exactly stuff I knew how to do. Oh, uh, like 
I forgot after a couple weeks after they said I got the job, I forgot what the job was. Yeah. Like yeah. I didn't remember the details. All I could remember is knowing for sure that I could do this. Yeah. So I still like at the beginning of every day, I'm trepidatious about will I be able to handle what they need me to do? And I just have to keep falling back on this. I'm I'm 42 Good years enough. old. I I have 30 years of experience in and uh in working and living and and 20 years of experience in exactly the topics they need me to to work on. I can do this. And it and takes if you can't, uh, you can figure it out. Yeah, it takes some Stuart Small uh, uh motivation to get mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Is it Stuart Stuart Smalley? Was that his name? That's all uh, right. SNL. Um I'm good enough. I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people, people like, like me. me. <laughs> I, yeah. And plus, I have to be chipper, and that is, yeah. I'm a, I'm a dry, sarcastic person in general, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I need to put forward a friendlier face, uh, especially with all of these Zoom meetings. Uh-huh. So, like that is, it's a challenge. Uh, and, I feel and faking fake. is completely leg- legitimate. How many times have you heard "fake it till you make it"? You, well, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I'm a 12 step veteran, mm-hmm. and that is that is an AA. Uh, that's as common a saying as "keep coming back" and mm-hmm. one day at a time. Fake it till mm-hmm. you make it. One day it. at a time. Sometimes I'm it's ver- an very hour by that. hour thing for me. So, how hard yeah. was it for you to adapt into this, you know, nine to five workplace kind of a thing, and then still doing your podcast and your development work? Well, and that's what I, this job is kind of perfect because it's, I had the option of being in the office or remote. Obviously, I took the remote option. Most of my team is in California, so meetings are never before 10 a.m. my time. Half of my team is international, so uh, all meetings are compressed pretty much between 10 my time and 2 p.m. my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest of the time is is flex time for me. And if I get my work done, I, I don't have to punch a clock. So if oh, I, get up at, I get up at 5.30... Do they need anybody if, else? <laughs> they may. Um, <laughs> okay, keep me in uh, mind. <laughs> like, I get up at 5.30 in the morning. I usually take an hour to work on my own, like, coding projects and stuff, do my mm-hmm. own blogging. And then I have like an hour or two, uh, well, I do yoga and then an hour or two of like actual uninterrupted, no meetings, work time. Mm-hmm. And then the daytime meetings, which are I, right now, I try, I try to pay attention and try to keep up. But mm-hmm. once I have a better grasp on things, I may be able to keep working during some of those meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I think I just need to get better at meetings in general. But then You're after finding your two... Footing. After two, I have time to like if I need to record and overtired with Christina, I can I can take an hour and do that and then maybe edit on the weekends. It's a it, there's a I have a lot less time, but it's not that I can't do anything between nine and five. Mm-hmm. They're they're flexible. Mm-hmm. So basically, as long as your work is, is so done important. by the end of the day or the end of the week, they don't care if you do it at three o'clock in the morning, as right. long as it's done when you need it to be done. Yeah. I think that's, they would appreciate me great. not burning myself out. Yeah, um, yeah. Burnout is a huge thing in the tech industry. I, yeah. I have found. I've I've definitely burned out, and it's yeah. and it's hard to admit. And I hate having to admit that. But yeah, burnout something you got to watch out for. Yeah, it's out there. 
So it's so it sounds like it's going pretty good, and it sounds like you've got a, a good grasp on it, and you're you know you're ready. I'm for excited this about and, it. Yeah. I'm excited about having a steady job. Uh, yeah. The thing with being completely independent, as you're aware, uh, is you never know how much money you're going to make yeah. in a given month. Right. You just uh, don't know if you're coming or going. It's, you can that's be stressful. You can be comfortable enough to know I'm going to make enough to get through the month. But you don't know, like saving up for emergencies and everything becomes mm-hmm. like something something you have to do and can't always do. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a, a, a good paying steady salary is mm-hmm. definitely like a major draw to reentering the corporate world for me. Yeah, uh, I, I am willing to put up with a lot of stuff in exchange for that kind of security. Mm hmm. I hope I can find that someday. (laughs) I don't know when that'll ever happen. I didn't think I ever would. Do you? I've I've told this story maybe on Overtired, but I did an interview with Victor Agreda Jr. uh, Used to be the editor in chief of the official Uh Apple Weblog, and he has a a show where he interviews people with puppets. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like you, 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 you call in a puppet answers the video call, interviews you, and then hangs up, and you never actually see Victor. You only deal with the puppet. And <laughs> I, I have happy- got to try that someday. <laughs> I, I was happy to do it. It was puppet like therapy. It was an emotional, like it, it was an interview about like dealing with loss and wow. like it was heavy, heavy topics with a uh-huh. puppet, and uh-huh. in the process of that conversation, uh, this opening at Oracle came up and it sounded like exactly what I had thought. If I ever get a job again, it, I, sh- I should probably get this kind of job, this uh-huh. like developer advocacy writer position. And it sounded perfect. I was like, keep me in mind, let me know. And it all snowballed from there. And next thing I know, I, I had a corporate job again, but it was the right job for me. Yeah, Like I would not, I, I would not have I would not have gone out to get a job that I didn't think was perfect for me. I wouldn't be able to deal with. There's no amount of money that can make me do something I don't enjoy. Like, I'm <laughs> just not a person who's motivated by money. Right. Uh, so, I'll, I'll go without if it means that, you know, yeah. I'm not going to be miserable. Because I've worked jobs where I could barely leave the house because I was stuck on the toilet because I was so stressed out. You know, the, yeah. I, the IBS just took over and there was nothing I could do about it. You know? I, I don't I want said, jobs like that. My first job out of college uh, was I worked for uh, a guy who was regular German infantry in World War II, like a literal Nazi, and and he was the worst. And I I quit that job and started my own business and swore I would never again work a job I didn't enjoy, Uh and I never have. I have only had to leave one job since then, Uh but... Like, I just, I won't take a job that I don't enjoy, no matter how much it pays. Yeah, you, you have to put your health first. You know, I, I struggle with, I, I, I'm still trying to shed the label that I gave myself of does not work well with others. Like, I kind of slapped that on myself a long, long time yeah. ago, and I'm really working hard to like, it's like trying to like rub it off, you know? Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> that's, sure. That's what I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah, I still, really, I mean, because really I do, I work well with that. others. I, I have clients, you know, so I can yeah. work well with others. But like you, I, I like, I, I need to be able to put my health first. I need to be able to, you know, I can't do this right now because I have to take care of this. Or I need, you know, I have a migraine. I, I've, I've lost half the day. Sorry, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
But once you yeah. can start doing that, then you can take on more, it seems like. That's, that's very cool. What uh, you have on your, on your list here, um, having to use Outlook Exchange and VPNs, is that, <laughs> is that a pain point for you still, or are you getting through that? I, so I did discover they want you to use Outlook. Is it ugly? It's not pretty. It yeah. it does everything you need it to, but like I like MailMate and mm-hmm. uh I I wanted to be able to use MailMate and I did manage to get MailMate set up with the Exchange server. I cannot get Fantastical. Mm-hmm. Like they won't let Fantastical access the Exchange server, so I have to use Apple Calendar. Uh mm-hmm. but I can use Apple Calendar instead of Outlook Calendar. Um, so I am finding my way around this stuff. The VPN thing, like half of my job, I can't access the tools I need if I'm not on the VPN, but the VPN is restrictive enough that I can't do the other half of the job while I'm on the VPN. So it's a lot of jumping on and off the VPN and the VPN doesn't store credentials. So it wants you to type a password every time you start it. Can you use a password manager? Well, yes, but if if you mm-hmm. like, you would have to hit your shortcut to bring up one password. Type in mm-hmm. Oracle VPN. Uh, use the arrow keys to get to the password. Hit return to copy it. Go back to the window. Refocus the field and hit Command V. And by then you could have just typed it in, huh? <laughs> well, so here's what I did. Um, okay. There's a com- there's a command line tool on macOS called Security, and it gives you access to your keychain. And your keychain can sync over iCloud and stores fully encrypted any password you want it to. So you can create a password entry called Oracle VPN and then uh, lock it in your in your keychain. And then you can use the security tool to find and extract that password. And you only have to unlock it the first time it runs. And then after that point, it can it can extract it without uh, uh, interaction. So then I created a keyboard maestro macro that I can just hit uh, on my on my keyboard. The caps lock key is a hyper key. So I, I hold down caps lock. I type O and then I type the letter V and it pastes the password. I only have to unlock it one time. That is just that's that's like rock music music to me as you're as you're saying this. I'm like he's just totally like rattling off all the lyrics of all like the steps that he just did to create this. <laughs> and like, meanwhile, my head is exploding. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it like works. music to my ears because I'm visualizing it. That's, that's really, really cool. I just I just love it. See, this is why this is the geekiest show ever because we just <laughs> geek out about this stuff. This is just totally, totally acceptable to my brain. I just I love it. Well, I speaking of which, uh, Brett, I know you have to get going pretty soon. So before we wrap up, uh, one of the things oh, you have listed <laughs> is your favorite Mac tools. What yeah. are some of the apps that you really like? One of them yeah, you that you Hazel. have, yeah. One of them you have on here. I'm using too. CleanShot. Yeah. Oh, I just discovered CleanShot uh, a couple months ago. It is like I have been through so many different screenshot apps, and when uh, I think it just started with Big Sur, but when Command Shift Five, uh, yeah, yeah, came yeah, yeah. Through- I thought, okay, I'm just going to use that. I knew Command Shift 4, and you, show, you told me about Command Shift 5, and I'm like, oh, I, lose, I use that all the time. <laughs> you like 4. You should I, try 5. Exactly. Yeah, I, I use 4 all the time. <laughs> but, but you got to use 5 now. <laughs> but CleanShot does like all of that, and it, it just has such good attention to detail uh, with every one of its tools that it is a joy 
to use. And I use CleanShot now for all of my screen recordings and all of my screenshots. And I use their cloud sharing service. And I, it's, it's excellent. Uh, Does it do little, the whole little tiny website? Yeah, I use it for mm-hmm. scrolling. Oh, yeah. When I have to take yeah. a screenshot, instead of having to do yeah. screenshot paragraph one, uh-huh. screenshot paragraph two. That way yeah. I can do the oh, whole I've thing. i looking for one. something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's part of Setapp. I've been using it through Setapp. Yeah. Because in Firefox, like, because, you know, I go through with this with the kids stuff. Like, I'm always wanting a screenshot, but it's always like this long, scrolly thing that I'm trying to document. And in Firefox, you can just right click and it does it for you. But yeah. in Safari, and I can't even get Chrome to use. Don't even start me on that. But yeah, I've been looking for something that. Like yeah, that. no, cool. clean shot is, is excellent. Wonderful attention to detail. A, a dream to use. Also, have you seen Tech Sniper? I think it's also on Setapp. Uh, it lets you. Uh, screenshot any text on your screen, even if it's not selectable, and does OCR for you. So, like, Ooh, you can just select OCR. the text. When you let go of the the mouse, it the text is just in your clipboard, uh, completely copied, even from images. Yeah, nice. the, from images. Don yeah. McAllister just did a uh, um, what do they call it? a screen um, screencast online about that just last week. I knew that sounded familiar. Oh, this is like On Skitch. S- I'm looking at clean shot. This reminds me of Skitch. Do you remember oh, Skitch? Skitch? I still have Skitch, Aww. and I use it sometimes. Yeah, I love Skitch. I did love Skitch. I've moved on when they stopped really supporting yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. And then Paletro. Have you seen Paletro also on Setapp? No, we I never just do a Setapp promo. Paletro. Let me look that up. Quick access to app menu commands. So you know how you can type command shift question mark to get to the help menu and then search your menu items from there? I did not know that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's another one of those holdovers because I just have this brain drain that I don't like to use the help menu because it takes so long for it to load. So I just have avoided it all these years. Don't avoid it. Check this out. In, In whatever app you're in right now, just type command shift question mark. And it'll focus the search field in the help dropdown. Oh, there it is. And then, uh-huh. then type uh, like the first letters of any menu option. And it will show you where that menu option is. And you can oh. just hit enter to trigger that menu item. So if you don't want to memorize all of the hotkeys for an app, you can just mm-hmm. type command shift question mark and find that menu item and hit return and run it. Dude, um, that's like that's life changing. That's pretty so cool. Paletro takes it a step further, so you can hit Command-Shift-P, and it'll pop up a little HUD that contains every action that application can take, and you can match it with fuzzy matching, so you don't have to know the name of the command. Like, if you, want, if you wanted to export PDF, you could just type PDF, and it would find the export PDF menu item for you, and you hit return, and it runs it. Uh, it's a it's a just a little added benefit, but if you have setup, it's once you get used to using it, it's awesome. Nice, very very cool. Clean shot, mm-hmm. and then uh, what's better touch tool? Oh my gosh, you don't know what better touch tool is. I, I've heard of it, but I haven't tried it yet. So, better touch tool is an amazing automation app that uh, it. Oh my gosh, it can do so many things. Also in setup. Yes. And you can, uh, like, when it first started, it was designed for uh, uh, magic mice and magic trackpads. And you could basically, 
assign all kinds of functions to different gestures on like the magic trackpad. So you could make a four finger swipe, do something different than a three finger swipe, or you could hold down two fingers and tap one and have it like switch tabs or whatever you wanted to do. Uh, and then he went from there and turned it into a whole like keyboard, uh, customization tool. And, uh, you can even customize the touch bar. You can do crazy things with a MacBook pro touch bar. It is just the ultimate, uh, uh, it's one of those things like I can't use other people's computers because uh-huh. I have so many, <laughs> yeah. so many gestures that I'm just used to. Yeah. There's their muscle memory, second nature that yeah. don't work anywhere else but on my machine. Right, right. <laughs> but it's so much fun. It's that would so probably powerful. mess with me a little bit. But yeah, that sounds amazing for people who can do that. That's really, really cool. And what what do you have? You have key bindings here. Did we already talk <laughs> we about kinda, that a little bit? We kind of talked about it. like my my option <laughs> yeah. S key binding. Yeah, like my yeah. key bindings file. Uh, I'll send you a link to it. Uh, it has hundreds of lines of maybe a hundred anyway uh, lines of customized key bindings. So um, like it, it uses the the text system that underlies all mac os text fields anywhere you can type in mac os has certain key bindings built in like if you are in any field and you type control a it will go to the beginning of the line and control e will go to the end of the line and it's different than hitting command right and left arrow because it actually goes to the end of the line even if it wraps so those are see i use that i use that in typesetting all the time so those are e- those are Emacs key, bi- key bindings that are built into mm. every everything on your Mac has Emacs key bindings. Control H, Control D, they all have functions. Um, this mm-hmm. basically takes that subsystem and and expands it to do whatever I want it to. Uh, it, it's wow. it's powerful. That does sound powerful. That's I won't amazing. I won't detail it further, but I will send you a link and you can see the okay, crazy yeah, I'd stuff love to you see can that. do. Oh, if only I would have had that back, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Wow. Oh, I don't want it to end. <laughs> we'll have to do this again sometime. This is too much I'll do, fun. I'll, I'll do another show. Oh, that sounds good. That'd be great. So, Brett, um, now that we're going to be wrapping up for today, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do so? Um, so I, whoa, I just pasted a really big note in the uh, in the show notes for you. Um, I am... I'm at brettterpstra.com. That's kind of my central hub. Uh, you can find links to all of my projects and ways to contact me. I am on every social media service except for LinkedIn. I am TT Scoff. So if you go to Mastodon, if you go to Twitter, if you go to Facebook, just type in TT Scoff and you'll find me. Or GitHub or Last.fm. Like every Elo. Remember Elo? That didn't yeah. last long, but I was yeah. TT scoff there too. <laughs> <laughs> I know consistent. I try to keep it simple. I'm the Mac mommy everywhere too. Yeah. At least yours makes sense. Mine is somewhat nonsensical if you don't know the backstory. I don't. I was going to ask you what that's about. <laughs> uh, so I was a I was a punk rocker, and uh, when we put out Seven Inch Records, my my band, uh, no one used their real name, and of course not. my name my name had become. TT, uh, because we were drunk and the singer asked me, how many T's are in your name? And I said, <laughs> two. And he goes, okay, TT. And that just became my name. 
uh, except at that point it was TT the Monkey Boy, which I did not like. <laughs> so I suggested for the record that it would be TT Scofflaw. And uh-huh. uh, then when I got my first email address, we, ha- we had like a five character limit on the name. Uh huh. No, I guess seven character limit, maybe eight. But so I just shortened it and I became TT Scoff at HBCI.com. And uh-huh. uh, then I just, as the social media services and stuff became a thing, I just kind of stuck with TT Scoff and I, I own it. It's trademarked. Uh-huh. I have a, a patent on that. Nobody name. else has it. And, and yeah, like it's, it's unique to me. So even if it's nonsensical, it, it, it is uh, consistent. And you'll find it in SEO. That works. <laughs> <laughs> what? Ha- I do own ttscoff.com too. But oh, if you, you just type in, it- let's see, if you go to, yeah, ttscoff.com goes to my website. You have a redirect? Yep. Oh. If you type in ttscoff to DuckDuckGo, um, my Twitter, GitHub, Last.fm all come up top, top results. So I definitely, I have good SEO on that. Yeah, because if you type in Brett Terpster, you got to remember there's three T's in there. Yeah, it's a pain. <laughs> that, that, that screwed me up a little bit. I was like, wait, one, two, three. Okay, yeah. did I get it right? I was, yeah, on the phone, I always have to, have to help. I, have to, I always have to ask, did you get three T's in the middle of that? Uh-huh. That, that's what really informs you when you're trying to create something is something meaningful. It's like, okay, am I going to have to repeat this? Am I going to have to use, must I employ the military alphabet? If I'm going to use this, <laughs> I do. How do, how do you think I have to spell since they die? S E N is in Nancy. S E I D is in dog. A I. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. My, I, I, we're we're military kids, so I I have the military whiskey alphabet. tango foxtrot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Brett, for joining us today. Yeah. This was great. Yeah, thanks, thanks so for much. having me. It's been fun. Yeah, this is like our our. This is our 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 religion this is our geeky sundays <laughs> this is so therapeutic <laughs> melissa if listeners want to get in touch with us how would they do so there's a couple of different ways you can go old school and email us at podcast at com. you can go to our website there's a contact form there that usually only gets spam we'd like to have some real people com, and you can go on the twitters for geekiest show at geekiest show over on twitter okay So, listeners, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. And in the meantime, please stay safe. Hello, everybody. This is Simon Parnell, the host of the Essential Apple Podcast the show where we aim to take a wander around the week's news in Apple, news, reviews, technology, security, and anything else that catches our eye. Plus, from time to time, we like to have guests from the industry who we get to tell us about their products, their services, their history, their philosophies, what uh, drives them, and of course, just what makes them tick. That, plus a bunch of friends talking about the news in Apple. What more could you possibly want? Check us out on the My Mac Podcasting Network.